because if you're not willing to, or you're uncomfortable with having that kind of a conversation, then you're never going to have people with whom you can do coaching where it's going to be a business for you. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Hey, we have a really very near and dear topic to my heart because we have had not only so many questions about this lately as as we've raised the topic in a few different areas but also it's been something that I've been getting questions on nonstop over the last oh let's say 6 years now as long as we've as long as we've had this podcast been running this business been helping people do crazy things to get to work that they love we've been getting these types of questions and those those types of questions have to do with hey you know what I didn't even know it was possible in some ways to become a career coach. And there are questions like, how does even one become a career coach? Or people looking at at our business, hearing our podcast in some ways that have decided this might be something that's really interesting for them too. And we've been getting so many questions that we decided to do an actual podcast specifically on that. And and how that works, you know how how you get into coaching. Who is who is a great who makes up a great career coach? Uh, who can be most successful? How that works and everything in between. So welcome back to the podcast, Lisa Lewis, returner on on Happen to Your Career. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Hello, HTYC family. It is always a pleasure. And also Philip Bianco, who is our manager of programs and enrollment, but also a career coach. And we're so glad to have him on the team. And for your first time ever on the on the Happy Year Your podcast, welcome, Philip. Hello, everybody. So here's here's the thing that we really wanted to do. We wanted to be able to hear from actual career coaches and be able to understand a lot of these questions. I'd love to go through some of them and be able to get your perspective because I've got perspective on it too, but it's not just about my perspective. I wanted to make sure that we're hearing from a variety of people. So let's first start out with, you know, how, how long have each of you been doing coaching in one way or another? Help me understand what that looked like and what your start was. Lisa, where, where, and how did you start? Well, Scott, I got my start back in 2015 and my start was really more of a, a commitment than necessarily having tons of clients you know, exploding out of my ears. But I made the commitment to myself to put out a shingle as a career coach and see what happens at the end of 2015. So at, at the point of recording here, we're creeping up on four years of coaching, which feels crazy and awesome and like the blink of an eye and also like it's been a million years. Four years. Wow. That yeah, million years, no joke. Uh, Philip, same kind of thing for me too. I, it was the end of 2016 for me, and I kind of I hit a bunch of roadblocks and did a lot of internal like work of figuring out exactly what the next step for me looked like. And this is something that I was super curious about and always kind of wanted to to try out and do, and just committed. 
just did the act and went and started coaching. And it's been half as much time. So what, two years now? And as we're creeping up end of 2018. So this is, this is perfect. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. So I, I personally have been coaching for, um, around 15, I guess over 15 years in one capacity or another, you know, whether working with other companies and doing that type of coaching, but career coaching for me has only been about eight or nine years when I started doing it just for fun, for lack of a better phrase. And then in, in this business uh, happened to your career, it's been about six years at the time of this recording. So we've got, we've got a mix of different timeframes, different stages. And I think that that's really important too. So I'm really excited about some of these coming up questions here. Here's, here's my first question. What do you think is the type of person that really long before they are ever doing any type of career coaching professionally, who do you think is the type of person that potentially makes up a great coach? Try and describe that, that type of person from your perspective. Lisa, what do you think? Oh, well, it's a challenging question, Scott, because I think that anyone can be a great coach because, you know, at its core, the essence of being a coach is in asking people tough, intense, kind of intimate questions, creating the space and bearing witness to what they say in response, and then helping them to put together the action plan for how to get there. And so you can have strengths and interests in any piece of what that looks like. You know, some people have a passion for doing the deep soul searching work around who you are and what you value. Some people have a deep passion around doing the tactical execution of how do you get this hiring manager to open this email with this proper subject line, or how do you happen to get a connection and an introduction to them to get this to happen? Some people have the passion for how do I structure the way that I approach the interview process so that I can negotiate a higher salary than I've ever thought is possible for myself. And so I feel like all of those require a slightly different skill set and so could accommodate people with different sets of strengths. But I think that the maybe the core is that you have to want to help people and you have to be sort of nerdy about career <laughs> and fulfillment in particular. <laughs> Philip, what do you think? I, you know what? Let me first say, it's going to be hard to, to keep following you because the, every answer that you're giving is just awesome. So I will agree with everything that you said, but I'll also add that I think it's also comes down to being also the type of person that people want to come and talk to and want to share those types of things with. You can have all those skill sets, but if you're not inherently a likable person or somebody who empathizes with those types of things people are going through, then no one's going to want to come and talk to you, or you're not going to be able to ask those good questions and really have that type of dialogue that good coaches can get to. It, it really comes down to making sure you are being able to listen and really meet those, those clients and meet those people that you're wanting to talk to where they're at, I think. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So let me ask you a, a slightly different question then, you know, for yourself or other coaches that you have met or encountered or you know, worked with or whatever else, what do you think are some of the elements that really make up a successful career coach overall after they, you know, after they have become a coach? So we talked a little bit about what the before and the pretext, but 
you know, what do you think really makes a successful coach overall after they have you know, had experience or training or anything else along those lines and have gotten into it a little bit? So we're a few steps ahead now. And what do you, what do you think makes that up? Philip, I'm going to let, let you start this time. Uh, oh, no, I was going to say, <laughs> let, I don't know if that's the best, the best idea, but I think really what it comes down to, too, is being able to have a practice and stay organized, I think is one, is one caveat. And I'm, there's tons of them, but I know for me and my own coaching practices, and especially talking with people, being able to have some sort of like framework or be able to know how to respond to people when they ask you certain questions or say something in a particular way of getting to the root of maybe what they might mean or if there's something else behind it, are there hidden beliefs or limiting, limiting beliefs, I should say, or hidden fears behind something? And then making sure that you as a coach are staying organized to whatever end goal that you're wanting to have with that particular person. If they're looking to get a new job, if they're looking to maybe negotiate a new salary or really identify their strengths, making sure you've got kind of that clear action plan for it. And kind of what Lisa was saying before, those types of people who likes different stuff. I'm much more of a tactical type of person who wants to make sure that every step of the way you're kind of meeting, meeting the, uh, the client there. So you're saying it sounds like that a great coach is going to be able to understand what the goals are for the person that they're working with. And then they're going to be able to hold them to those goals or be able to keep them on track. It sounds like, am I understanding that right? That's exactly right. It's making sure you're also communicating those back and forth too. It's it's a lot of the, am I hearing this right? Question back. And it's the, hey, you first hired me to do this. I know when I personally use coaches in the past, I've hired a lot of them to kick me in the butt and make sure I'm staying on my goals. And when I've ever worked with clients, that's usually one reminder that I have of, hey, we've had this goal. We had this discussion at the beginning. Is this still a goal? Did something change? And so it's really making sure that you have that great follow-up and making sure you're using it at the right time. So it's always, I always like to say, wearing different hats too, right? Always making sure you're doing that. Lisa, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what you've spoken to is like the framework for how to be a great practitioner in the coaching piece of the work. And I want to I want to add another layer to that too because I know that a lot of people who want to become career coaches want to become coaches because they want to work for themselves. Yeah. You know? And so I want to add on the layer of the things that you have to be great at to to get permission to be able to do the coaching work and the practicing work with folks. Because I think that that skill set alone is, you know, incredible to work with somebody if you can work under somebody else's umbrella, you know, if you're an, an employee. But I think to ice the cake, if you will, if you want to be working for yourself doing that kind of work, you also have to be a great marketer. You know, you have to be able to talk about what you do and the sort of transformations you create for people and the value that you bring into their lives confidently and compellingly, which of course will translate over to also being a really strong practitioner in the coach world. You know, you have to be a great salesperson and you have to be audacious and fearless when it comes to having conversations with people about, hey, here's the transformation that we can create, but it takes your financial commitment and your heart and soul and brain commitment to make that happen. How do we make that happen? Because if you're not willing to, 
or you're uncomfortable with having that kind of a conversation, then you're never going to have people with whom you can do coaching where it's going to be a business for you. Now, you can hobby coach your face off all day and all night. Yes. I think that the people who are listening to this are the people who are really, really going to want to make this not just their passion, but their monetized profession too. So you've got to be willing to put yourself into the arena and get no's and be rejected in a sales capacity. And then I feel like you also, in addition to the marketing and in addition to the sales, you also have to be willing to do some of the administrative stuff, you know, whether that is coming up with good systems of communication with your clients, good systems of billing, good systems of setting up conversations and rescheduling them, good systems of contracts to make sure that you've got the pieces in place to operate as a true business rather than just, you know, like you're, you're navigating the wild west out there is also a really important piece of being able to serve people as fully and deeply as your coach practicing skills might empower you or allow for you to do. So that is super interesting because we just went from, you know, what is the, what is the type of person that makes up a great career coach that has career coach potential? And, and we started out with, you know, you're, you're the type of person that other people are confiding in. You're finding yourself in these, in these career conversations, whether you like it or not in some ways. And then we went all the way to the other side and say, okay, you know, now that, now that you're that type of person, you have to be able to have the actual skill. And this is a lot what you were talking about, Philip, if I understood correctly, the actual you know, skill and, and technique and, and framework side down to be able to effectively get your client's results. But even if you have all of that, it sounds like Lisa, what you're talking about is there's still, especially if you're interested in calling your own shots and working for yourself, then there's still a whole other set of elements like the marketing, like <laughs> having those audacious conversations, you know, think crazy things like contracts and all sorts of other pieces that go with actually running a business or a practice. And one of the things that I find interesting about that though, that doesn't get talked a lot about. So I'm curious as to, as to both of your opinions on it is it seems like, at least this has been my experience. You tell me what you think that you really, especially in career coaching kind of have to be good at marketing or understand marketing at a pretty high level anyways, to help get your clients results. Cause a lot of what people are doing, especially with career changes, especially with promotions, especially with um, most type of big moves of any kind in their career, it's a lot of marketing and advocating for themselves and selling in ways that feel good to them and others. So I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts or philosophies are on, on that piece. So I, I completely agree with that. It's, it's such a great way of, you can be doing all this great work, right? You could be doing exactly what we said before. You can have all these great systems. You can be a great coach, but if nobody knows you're out there doing it, how are, how are you going to be able to have a business is exactly what Lisa said. You can have this really expensive hobby with no clients or nobody end up paying the bills. And that's, that's not good. So, <laughs> right. Yes, that is not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's definitely not, not the end goal. So it's really understanding too of where there's only so much time and there's only so much money 
people have, we have limited resources. So it's really understanding too, where are the people you were looking for hanging out too, and how to best reach them? Is it, is it through online marketing? Is it through digital advertising? Or is it by maybe doing some workshops that you might have too? Maybe you can offer some free workshops some places or network through friends of friends and do those types of, do those types of ways. But always trying to understand the, what would it look like if it was easy? How can you best make sure you get your message as clearly and, and as Lisa said too, like I'm always going to be referencing Lisa now. Uh, <laughs> Forevermore. <laughs> but always making sure you are just getting your message confidently to the correct message right to those types of people that you, that you really want to talk to. And, you know, it's not definitely not an overnight thing. I think if, if anything of how long each of us have worked in it in my short time is that it takes a long time. There's, there's not overnight successes. It's an overnight success that took 15 years or longer or anything like that. It's definitely knowing where to put your resources. I think. What, what do you think, Lisa? Yeah, totally, totally agreed. And HTYC family, please forgive all the construction noises in my in the background while I'm talking. Of course, it would be the day that we're recording a podcast. They decide to do construction on my deck. But to to piggyback on you know, the great insights that Philip was sharing about marketing, I think that the idea of doing marketing or some of the other stuff I talked about, you know, sales, whatnot, all of those terms have so much baggage with them. They have all of these connotations that they are big, that they are scary, that they're only for professionals, that, you know, it's part of, of being the sleazy salesperson who guilts you into, you know, signing a contract or signing up for something or spending more money than you wanted to. And I think that if that's how you're looking at or feeling about marketing or sales, do not go into being an entrepreneur. Do not try to be a career coach working for yourself. But if you're open to the idea that marketing at its core, at its essence, is just knowing how to talk about you and what you do comfortably and confidently and being able to tailor your message to what another person actually wants to hear about you, then all of a sudden, not only is this a basic survival life skill that you have and that you need, but you see how every single one of us does it in our daily lives, whether or not we think of ourselves that way. You know, I remember back, back when I was doing an internship in Washington, D.C., I went to this panel on entrepreneurship, and there was a woman there who was the head of a historically black university. And I feel terrible that I don't remember her name or what the university was because it was you know, a decade ago. Um, but she said this quote that has been seared into my memory, which is that we will all become willing or unwilling entrepreneurs in our life. And I think that that quote is so true about so many things. We will all become willing or unwilling marketers. We will all become willing or unwilling salespeople. So you can either fight that kicking and screaming and be mad about it and decide not to do it and feel like a victim of the system or a victim of capitalistic America, or you can choose to lean in and say, if this is what it takes for me to get the honor and the privilege of serving someone and to be able to sustain myself and sustain my life doing it, then I am willing to turn, you know, what, what Ramit Sethi might call the disdain into curiosity, the D into C. And 
figure out how can I, how can I be curious and excited and interested in doing this? Because if you can do that and master that for yourself, you're going to be able to bring that to your clients. Easy peasy. After she said that sentence, I felt like she just, after when she said it, she dropped the mic and said, all right, everybody, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I feel really passionately about helping people to move into jobs that feel amazing for them or helping people to create businesses that are amazing for them. You know, I've coached a lot of people into starting their own service-based businesses, and these are all the bumps in the road that everybody has to go through. So if I can help somebody who is coming into this or thinking about getting a career coaching training to walk in with eyes wide open and feeling like it is an awesome decision and they're excited to lean into the challenge and the learning and the growth and having old beliefs be totally split apart and having brand new empowering beliefs pop up in their place, shoot, I want to do that. Doesn't everybody? Heck yeah. And I will say that having lived life both ways on both sides of that, it feels distinctly different. Problems don't go away necessarily, but problems feel different. Stress doesn't go away necessarily, but stress feels different. It feels different when you are working in things that feel more natural to you. It feels different when you are working on things that you feel excited about. It feels different uh, when you are spending your time in ways that's meaningful to you, even if it is hard, even if it is the more challenging road. In fact, a lot of times it is because it is the more challenging road. And uh, I really appreciate you calling that out. So here's here's a natural lead in then for this question. We just went all the way from on one side of the coin, the start to the other side of the coin, like, you know, who who's the right, who's the right type of person for, to be a a career coach for all intents and purposes. And yes, anybody can do it, but there's probably some people that are predisposed to enjoy it a heck of a lot more. And all the way to the other side where it's like, look, there's a lot that goes into being a career coach, at least that's running your own, own business. And there's other ways to do it. You can work with a university. You can work with Lisa. You got, um, you, you know, you actually did both of these. Now that I think about it. you worked with the university as a, as a career coach there, and then later worked with us and, you know, as another organization, and now you're doing it on, on your own. And, you know, so you've seen all of those directions, I guess. So there are other ways to do it, but if you're going to do it as your own business, then there's a heck of a lot that goes into it. So consequently, when people hear that, I think that they, when they're thinking of those challenges, there's a lot of mind blocks or imposter syndrome that sets in or things that are like, ah, geez, I don't know if I can do that. So I'm curious for each of you, what were some of the major challenges that you had as you were moving this direction? And what were some of the things that popped up as mental blockers or mental barriers or that road roadblocks that got in, in your way from a mental perspective? Um, give me an example of that. Oh, yeah. I am happy to dive in on this one because I feel like I wrestle with a new one of these limiting beliefs or, or things every other day. So one of the biggest ones that has popped up for me most recently in this this recent evolution of my business, you know, just like Scott said, I started out doing... Uh, career services work for graduate students. So I was working with MBA students and masters of social work students and, you know, really helping people who already kind of had a preset career path potentially in front of them. And we were just figuring out how to customize it and make it fit for them to then going and working under HTYC for two beautiful years 
where, you know, clients came to HTYC because they were hearing the messages that we talk about with being unapologetically you and finding the career that fits you and leading with your strengths and not settling. But when I made the decision to go out and start doing coaching on my own, I got whacked in the face like (laughs) it was a physical two by four with the limiting belief of I, I can't put myself out there. I can't pee. I can't be visible as a coach. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? I, you know, do people even think that coaches coaching is a real profession? Do people even think that I can help anybody? And that was a really big barrier for me. You know, who am I to do this? What do I even know? And when people see me as a coach, are they going to take me seriously? Those are my biggest, biggest limiting beliefs. And what I can tell you is that I'm not on the complete other side of those beliefs just yet. I still wrestle with those thoughts and those questions when they pop up every once in a while. And what I console myself with is the fact that those are the questions that I am asking is a really good sign that my integrity is still 100% with me in this work that I'm doing. Because if I didn't have any questions about what I was doing and how I was serving people, maybe I should. (laughs) You know, maybe I would be in denial about how powerfully and deeply and helpfully I was working with the people that I was working with. So I see those questions as really good incentive and motivation to keep learning, keep growing, taking more trainings, learning more things, taking a class, getting a mentor. Because I think that there are two ways that you can deal with those fears popping up is that you can either believe them and let them cripple you and you're dead in the water. Or you can hear those fears and you can say, okay, let me get the information out of this. If I am feeling like I don't have enough experience to do this work, what could I do to go gain more experience? Or when I take a look at my accomplishments and cold, hard facts and data on paper, do I actually see that that fear isn't totally founded in reality? And I think that that process of noticing the fears that are coming up for you, figuring out the information they're trying to get you, doing some fact checking to see how valid that fear and that information is, and then creating an action plan to keep yourself moving forward is a huge differentiation point between the people who are sort of entrepreneurs who have this dream and then they never actually take action towards it versus the people who actually do build the businesses. Because, you know, none of us, none of the three of us, probably nobody who's listening to this podcast is fearless. We've just learned how to take action when we're feeling fear so that it doesn't cripple us and paralyze us and leave us in the place where we are dreamers and not doers. Dreamers and not doers. That is the best way to end that. Imposter syndrome was a what is something I completely dealt with. So I completely understand. I'll say something else though, which was for me, I think I've always dealt with this almost impatience where I felt like, oh, well, I'm a career coach. I've been doing this for some, for X amount of time. I should have everything figured out by now. I should have all my business plan figured out. I should have all my marketing automation done. I should have all the right answers when clients ask me. And I think the limiting belief was that, that I should be, it's almost this perfectionism, this crippling perfectionism that I need to do everything right all the time, even 
as a first time entrepreneur opening up my first, this is my first business. I'm sure like many of our HTYC listeners, it might also be their first business or maybe second business. Doesn't really matter. We all go through the same kinds of stuff and opening up any new business. But this is something that we've talked about before too, but thinking that you have to be at the top of a mountain while you're still at the bottom and not realizing that it's a climb and every step every day, it's going to take you to a new part or that, Hey, you might have to sit this one out tonight or that, you know, there's different new lessons that you're learning along the way. And every five steps forward, you might take two steps back the next day. And I very much (laughs) relate also, I think it was a train that, that hit me when I first started. I didn't see the two by four, but it was a really <laughs> missed the two by four, jumped out of the way of the I, two by four and got hit by the train. <laughs> it might come again someday. I don't, I don't know, but it was definitely this huge train that just hit me where I felt like I just needed to have everything already done. And I, that frustration led me to, and this is what, and I've talked a lot to people as too, is I would work on my website and I would just do all these little, these little things that, really were, weren't pushing the needle forward. They were just all these little actions that weren't really big actions at all. It was just me, I guess, uh, procrastinating in certain ways by not actually doing the work. And really, for me, it was exactly going past those limiting beliefs, like Lise was saying, but also surrounding myself with people who were also at the top of their game or who were inspiring me. So something that I did was I put a little, uh, it's going to sound really geeky when I say it out loud, but I had this like little cheerleading board right above my whiteboard in my apartment. And every time I'm thinking about the type of person I want to be or the type of business I want to have, I look to those people. I look to like Tim Ferriss, those types of people. And it really inspires me to, to put in the work and that it takes time and that the mount, you don't climb a mountain every day. You just take one step each day to what you want. That's super interesting. And on that note of feeling like you have to have everything figured out, I literally had a conversation this morning with somebody who had contacted us about our, our professional career coaching certification and training. And it, that's exactly what she said to me was, you know what? I hesitated even contacting you all in the first place because I felt like I had to have everything figured out before I even started, started, started a program like that and moved down there. And then she's like, you know what? I realized though, I realized that that's why that's there to enable me to move down that road and take those steps up the mountain as, as you put it, Philip. And and the, but that's the real type of stuff that has a tendency to get in in way here. So we have just a couple of minutes left, and I want to just ask you both one other question here. And that question is, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking that they want to move down the path to become a career coach for the first time? What's one one piece of advice that you would give them? What do you think, Philip? I think one really good piece of advice. um, I have like five or six coming in my head right now. So I'm just trying to pick one, but uh, we will even allow 1.5. 
Oh, so it's one point. maybe hey. two if you're pushing it. I don't know. You're kind of a rebel. <laughs> one, and then I'll put like two or three. Like here's one A, here's one B, here's one C, because it's all in the, in, the, in the same point. I think it's really making sure you're coming back to your why. At the end of the day, when all this, when everything gets hard, and when the two by four, when the train hits you in the face, or when, you, when you're putting all these marketing efforts out and you're just not getting anything back, it's coming back to that why of essentially, why are you doing what you want to be doing? Uh, are you, is it come back to the need of wanting to help people? Is it come back to the need of maybe making sure no one has that, that crappy job experience that you've, you've had? Or maybe you're trying to bring out the, the natural strengths in people. I think always coming back to that essential why will help you in your best times and help you in your worst times and really is the catalyst as your differentiator when looking to uh, um, be part of this industry and become a career coach. Love that. What do you, what do you think, Lisa? What advice would you give? Yeah, I will. My advice is going to swing all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, because I had a, so I had a great boss, one of my last bosses in corporate America named Nate. And I would come to Nate sometimes when I was in the middle of, you know, some sort of worry or fear or meltdown. And he he would say, Lewis, think less, just do it. And it was incredibly, incredibly helpful advice of not getting wrapped up in my brain, not getting wrapped around the axle as I am wont to do. I am also a recovering perfectionist. So my particular coping mechanism and strategy is to research things to death before taking action. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how many years of my life I have lost by continuing to just get more and more information rather than just deciding and committing and doing something, anything. Because you know, like you guys were talking about, you're never going to have it all figured out before you take action and in fact, it is the taking of action that helps you to get it figured out. So if you're thinking that you might be interested in being a career coach, if you have not been coached, go freaking get coached. Because how are you going to know if you want to be a career coach if you've never experienced coaching? You know, you want to make sure you're in love with the reality of that work, not just the dream of what that would be like. And a, another coach of mine from uh, a couple of years ago, Todd Herman, said, Fear cannot paralyze a moving target. So figure out how to get yourself into motion. Maybe that is going to, you know, the next webinar that Scott's giving about the professional career coach certification. Maybe it is seeing if you can take a, a Udemy class online about career coaching. Like do something that moves you and you will get more clarity than you could possibly dream. And there's nobody who has ever done research for five years. And then at the end of that said, you know what, I needed all five of those years to make this decision. You know, you kind of already knew at some point, And now you're just five years older. You're five years further away from being profitable, from having your first six figure year, from helping hundreds or thousands of clients, from getting to live your life on your own term. Term? Terms of Terms A. Terms A. <laughs> so if you're feeling that itch, that curiosity, find some kind of action that you can take. Go talk to a career coach. Go get a one-off career coaching session. Sign up for a training program. Whatever you can do to turn that potential idea into active energy. And no matter whether you decide that it's a great fit path for you or not, 
you'll have clarity and clarity is worth all the money in the world. All of it, all the money. That is fantastic for so many different reasons. And I appreciate you both sharing sharing those pieces of advice and taking the time and coming on and imparting all this to those folks that are out there that are considering moving down the path of becoming a career coach. Because quite frankly, come to the conclusion that a whole bunch of the world needs this type of help and we're not going to be able to do it alone. And I just really, really appreciate you taking, taking time out of your day to help other people understand how they can move down this path. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are so welcome. I hope that if any of you have any questions on this, if one of your actions can be sending me an email, sending Philip an email, sending Scott an email, you know, we're here for you. If you are ready and on the precipice of changing your life, shoot, let us know how we can help. By all means. Well, let me riff on potential here for a second, too, because I was listening to a podcast the other day and it blew my brain wide open, which is when people say that they're not living up to their potential, they're 100% right, right? Because potential, if we think about it in what the physics world, potential is all of the energy and all the stuff that hasn't yet been used. So, of course, you could never live up to your potential because your potential hasn't turned into kinetic energy yet. It hasn't come out And potential is always into the future. It's always two days beyond where you are right now. So putting pressure on yourself to live up to your potential is setting yourself up to be deeply, deeply unhappy because it's setting yourself up for something you can never achieve. If it's learning how to create a future that feels like it is fitting and suiting of your potential, you know, that's something else. But putting pressure on yourself now to be living up to your potential is putting pressure on yourself to now already have the life in the future, which wouldn't make any logical sense. I just got off a coaching call with a client who just committed that if he does not do his homework, he is donating $1,000 to the American Nazi party. This is, uh, this is how we do it, Philip. We just turn on the mic and Lisa just kind of like oozes magic. This is sort of a gross verb. Could we pick a different one?